Well, good morning. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of God today, right? Amen. Welcome to Shinkatee Church of God. We're so glad you're here. In fact, do me a favor. Stand up. Stand up. Give three people around you a high five. And then you can sit down. Only three. There you go. All right, you can be seated. They're really going crazy over in this area over the high fives. So you know, hey, they're musicians. What do you expect, I guess? I don't know. Oh, man, it's so great to see all of you guys out today. Um, man, this is like, it's, I think it's been three or four weeks since I've been up here to speak, and I've been, blah, you know what I mean? Just dying to get back up here. Pastor's doing a fabulous job, um, and we know that you guys are being blessed. The word's being given. Lives are being changed, right? Yes, lives are being changed for Jesus. We're so excited about that. Um, it's so great this morning. I got my mom and dad here from Parkersburg, West Virginia. They don't get, I don't get to see them a whole lot. And it's such an honor to be able to be with them. They've been so excited to hang out with Carter and Caden and the family. Yeah, Carter and Caden. Wow, if you don't know them, you will. They're my five-year-old and two-year-old, and they're exciting. Anyway, um, you know, there's a, when we come together as a church, you know, we're a body. We're a family, right? We are a family. And when we have a fam, when we're a family and someone's in need, we care, don't we? Absolutely. So here's what we're going to do for a moment here. And you can stay seated, but we're going to remember Amy Conzer in prayer. We're also going to remember uh, Brian Parker, his father, Willard Parker, in prayer. There's two serious needs here, and we just want God to do something great in their lives. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity, again, that you allow us to be here and to serve you. But God, we lift up needs to you right now. We lift up Amy to you, Lord. We lift up Willard to you. We ask God that even where they're at in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would be sent out and comfort them and help them be with the families, God. And Lord, that you would direct all the physicians and everything, Lord, would be taken care of according to the will, the purpose, and the plan that you have for their lives. We serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. And we proclaim this over them right now in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. amen. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm excited about giving you some bad advice this morning. Literally, I'm going to give you some bad advice, and you'll catch on as the service goes. But if you have your um, Uversion app, if you go on there, we added something a little bit different today. You actually have my sermon outline on there. So be able to, you'll be able to follow my points along with the scripture references all together. So if, and if you don't know how to get on there, you can see somebody beside you. They might. If you don't know that, then good luck. All right. So <clears throat> how many of us have ever received bad advice? Okay, three-fourths of the church is telling the truth this morning. How about this? How many of us have ever given bad advice? Yeah, right? I mean, think about this. You've, you've received bad advice. You've received bad advice. Um, gosh, uh, relationships, bad advice. Sometimes you wish you would have done the advice that was given later on down the road, right? How, <laughs> don't look at the person beside you, please. All right? You're telling on yourself. How about bad advice within the business realm? Yeah, made a bad decision in business, right? How about this? Maybe you were advised to buy something that you shouldn't have bought 
and many years down the road, as you're still paying payments on that one thing, you're going, that was bad advice. Again, don't look at the person beside you. You know, we've all received bad advice and we've all also given bad advice. And I'm going to give you some pieces of bad advice this morning. But before I get right into that, I need to ask you this one question. Seriously, I don't want you to answer it. This is just laying some groundwork for what we're going to get into in just a little bit later on. But the one question is this. I wonder how many of you at one point in your life were actually closer to God than you are today. Unpack that, moment, that question in your mind for a moment. How many of you were actually closer to God at one point in your life than you are right now? In other words, man, you know what? You got up in the morning and you couldn't wait. I, how about, let me, let me rephrase that. Before you went to bed, you couldn't wake up the next morning to be able to get into God's word. I wonder how many of us have been in that position before. That we were closer to God then than maybe what you are now. Or how about we were, we were so eager to get into his word, not only because we wanted to accomplish reading something or, or taking part of something, but we wanted to gain something spiritually. We wanted to gain some knowledge spiritually. In other words, you weren't reading the word to read, but you were reading the word to retain. You see, that's passion. Uh, I wonder how many of us, uh, when we were in a position where we were more passionate or we were more closer to God than what you are today, you couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around or even Wednesday night Bible study to roll around because you wanted to get into the house of God. You wanted to be into the presence of God with other believers like-minded. You couldn't wait. And let's take it a step further. Not only could you not wait to get into the house of God, but you could not wait to invite someone and take them with you into the house of God. You see, I'm throwing some, uh, uh, like a thermometer here at you. Different levels of intensity. And you can almost rate yourself or score yourself or see where you are by just the questions that I have asked. Some of you, as I was mentioning the question, you were probably thinking, you know what? I'm pretty close to God. Me and God, we're pretty good. We're cool. You know, we've got things going on. And then as I'm rattling these questions off, you're like, I remember doing that. That's not really a priority anymore. I remember being excited like that. And now it becomes more like a chore. I remember talking to other people's, inviting them in. And now it's, I can't even remember the last time I invited somebody. I wonder how many of us honestly would say that we had a passion like that at one time in our life. You know, those of us who were Jesus followers, we would say, yeah, honestly, maybe there was a time in my life where I was more passionate about Jesus. I was more passionate about God. I was more passionate about that relationship than what I am today. There's a story that happened, and it was years ago, there was a couple, and you might have heard this story before. If you did, just kind of go with it. But there was a couple, and, and they, were, uh, they were in their truck. And uh, as they were driving down the road, the wife was scooted over in the, in, into the center you know, console area, sitting there beside her husband. They were all snuggled up, you know, all close, all, you know, come on, makes you puke type of thing, all right? <laughs> and uh, some years later, like 20 years later, they're back in the truck again, and 
This time, uh, the husband's still sitting in his seat. Let me just point that out. And now the wife is over in the passenger seat and she thinks to herself, man, what has happened to us? So she looks at her husband and goes, honey, what happened to us? We used to, you know, cuddle. I used to be sitting right beside you the whole time. What happened to us? And he's smiling, kiddingly, probably sarcastically looked over to her and said, well, I'm not the one that moved. (laughs) I say that to say this. God isn't the one who moved. God is not the one who moved. God is still the one in the driver's seat taking you, driving you, directing you, but you have moved. We're going to get here shortly into Matthew chapter 13. Not quite yet, but you can set yourself up if you need to uh, through your Bible or whatever you use. And um, we're going to look at a very, really, it's really awesome. Obviously, the whole scriptures are awesome, but a really awesome point of scripture here. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and summarize it for you real quick. And here's what we have. We have Jesus he was essentially talking, he was talking about a sower, and, which was a guy who had a bag full of seed. He would go out, he would cast the seed out, throwing it, and he was what? Hoping for a return, hoping for a harvest, okay? And uh, so we have here, Jesus said that there was a sower who cast some seed out. Some fell along a path. The birds came along. What did they do? They ate it. The seed was gone. It disappeared. So he said the sower threw out some other, more seed, some on a rocky place. Because there wasn't a lot of uh, soil there, the roots could have really only grow, grab a hold so much. So when they sprang up, the sun quickly scorched them. The plants died. He said some fell among other uh, soil, which was surrounded with thorns. Little plants tried to grow. The thorns actually choked, were choked out by the, by the, uh, the, the thorns around them. The plants actually choked out the the. The, the plants around them, so no fruit was able to bear. Then he said he some threw uh, into the good soil, and Jesus said that it brought a 30-fold, 60-fold, and even a 100-fold harvest. Jesus was essentially saying this to his listeners. What type of soil are you? That's the point of this parable or this story that Jesus was saying. What kind of soil are you? So let's, let's get right into it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Here we go. I'm going to read it from here because it's got the underline where I need it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not, what? What do they do not do? They do not understand it. All right. They do not understand it. So the evil one comes. And the evil one here is who? Is Satan. All right. So we understand that the evil one comes. That's Satan comes along and he does what he snatches away right all right we understand that he snatches away what was sown in their hearts this is the seed along the path now in fact let's let's just be honest for a second here and I'm not trying to be brutal this morning but that's where some of you are at today your heart Some of you are going to be here today and, and, and you're going to sit here and you're going to say, you know, you're going to leave here and you're going to be like, I just, I didn't get nothing from that. I didn't get nothing from it. You know, it's just too cold in here. I'm too busy looking and, and counting the tiles and the ceiling or the ribs and the pillars. 
You tell me this. That's why I know that you do this. You tell on yourself. I'm just kind of telling you on your back. Some of you are going to be in here and, and you're like, you know, he wasn't funny today. Pastor Kevin didn't tell a story about a cat, you know, or Carter. Actually, Carter's coming up later. All right. And you're going to be like, I really am not getting this service. I'm not getting this message. And what we do is we come in here, not prepared in our minds and our hearts, really. But we come in here out of routine sometimes. And we sit here and we're going, okay, what? I need to be on the boat at this time. I need to be at, you know, my restaurant at this time. And we become so scheduled that we do not give room for God to move. And so some of you in here this morning, you came in with that heart just like that, where the seed was just tossed on the path and nothing is going to grow from it. Let's move on. Verse 20. It said, then the seed falling on what? Rocky ground. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with what? Joy. Now, what is interesting about that little bit of scripture is that is us. That is some of us in this room as well. Verse 20 goes on to say that the seed falling on the rocky ground, go to verse 21, excuse me. But since they have no root, this is where it gets, here's the catch. But since they have no root, they only last only what? A short time. That's dangerous. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. There's some of you in here just like this. You're going to hear the message and it's going to bring joy. And you're going to be like, yes, yes, I got it. I figured this out. But the moment you leave here and you get out and the first sign of trouble that comes your way, everything that you just heard kind of goes out the door. Because you're, the word has nothing to hold on to. There's no foundation there. There's no root there. Let's move on. Verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But watch this. The worries of this life. If you recall, you may or may not, but it was several messages ago, I, I, I was talking about worry. And what worry is, is you're not trusting God in a situation. That's what worry is. He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it what? Unfruitful. These aren't bad people. They're good people. You know, it's, it's the person that's a, I'm a student and I've got student debt and I'm working while I'm in school and finding time to really dig in and get into word is really hard. I'm a young married couple and we're trying to learn each other because life is definitely different once you become married. 
and we're trying to learn each other and I don't have time for that. I can't, I can't focus. I got to focus on this and not him. We're a young family. We've got lots of little kids and man, you just don't know what my house is like. It's crazy. We've got kids running everywhere, screaming. You just don't understand. And I don't have time. I, I'm doing the best that I can. But as I look at my life, all my time is just, it's shifting away from me and I'm not able to put the time that I need, really, in the worries of life, these thorns that have created, that sometimes we self-create ourselves, are not allowing a harvest to happen, not allowing the fold to take place, not allowing it to grow. And what's happening is the very things that God is wanting to do with me through his word or with you through his word. It's trying to grow up, but your worries of life are strangling it. Because why? Your worries have become the principal factor in your life. Your worries have become your number one objective, getting through them, rather than saying, God, I'm giving you the worries and allowing you to bring me through them. And then we'll go to verse 23. But the seed falling on what? Good soil. Refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. But the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who what? Hears the word and understands it. I love it because he says, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what he has sown. You see, when the word of God is planted in our hearts and it lands on good soil, the fruit that God can bring can go beyond your ability to imagine, comprehend, or even dream as being possible. I'll tell you a story about Carter. <laughs> Real short, too, but there's a point to it later. This season, we've been out on the boat a lot, and we get out there, and, you know, we've, we've clammed some, we've crabbed a bunch, and, you know, we just kind of go out there, hang out, and have a fun time as a family. And uh, he's always got his life jacket on, all right? So I'm not sure everybody understands that. And one day he said, uh, Dad, Daddy, I, I want to jump overboard. You got a life jacket. I'm the dad. I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. You know, I'm not, you know what I'm thinking. And Andrea's like, oh, no, 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 the, the current, the current, the current was strong that day. It was rolling, you know, and she's like, no, no, we better not do that. And, and my five-year-old speaks up, and pure genius. Tie a rope to me. Just tie a rope to me. That way I don't drift too far from the boat. It was. I didn't do it. I mean, I was willing to. Then I could see a lot of different things happening. I thought this is not a good idea. Let me say this. There are many that don't even recognize how far they've drifted from the strength, the presence, and the goodness and the grace of God. I want to go back to that question that I asked you earlier in the sense of, were you, was there a point in your life where you were closer to God than you are right now? 
You see, my five-year-old got it, not spiritually, but he got it for a moment. If I just attach myself to the rope, I won't drift far from the boat, from dad, from mom. I won't drift far away. And we don't think we need a word of God daily in our life. And we don't think we need prayer daily in our life. And we don't think that we need worship daily in our life. And we don't think that we don't need to come into the house of God on a regular basis when his opportunity is given in our life. If my five-year-old can understand that if he has a rope attached to him and it's attached to the boat, he's not going to drift far away. Why can we not get it in our minds if we would stay in the word of God and in prayer and in worship and in his house every time the opportunity is given that we will not what? Drift far away from God. It's very simple. It's not complex. It's spelled out lights and banners and everything in front of us. But we refuse to do it. You see, sometimes there is good advice given to us in our life and we refuse to do it. How many of you can say, I've received good advice in my life, but I didn't take it? And you can look back and you can see the outcome and the result of and go, wow, why was I so stubborn? Why was I so blinded in this moment? I think it's fair to say that we could all go back in many of those moments, if not all, we would make decisions differently, wouldn't we? Then why are we not doing it now? Why are we not doing that? So, my, uh, my sermon series here, which is, this is week one of it, it's called Bad Advice. I'm going to do something extremely hard for the next four points. I'm going to give you bad advice. And you're going to understand where I'm coming from. I'm going to read this because this isn't, this isn't natural for a pastor to say. This is what it says. Number one, I want to show you specifically how to drift from God. You ready? Write it down. Number one, neglect your time with God. If you want to drift from God, neglect it. This is bad advice. Remember. Psalm 63, one says this. David was in the desert of Judah. He cried out. He says, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Don't do it. Don't do as David did. Neglect your time with God. Don't seek him. Don't yearn for him. Don't grave his presence because that will only make you closer to him. Neglect your time with God. Don't enroll in a Bible plan. Don't let your friends come along and support you in church. Don't surround you with friends who are like-minded in their faith. Because after all, the word of God is what? A double-edged sword. It'll wash your mind and it'll make you new. And it, it speaks life into death and it will encourage you. But who wants that? It will build your faith and it will give you strength. But all means, neglect God. Don't worship 
If you go to church, don't do it. Number two, if you want to drift away from God, surround yourself with the wrong people. This is good. Why? Because it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. If you want to be outside the will of God, make sure you hang out with the really ungodly individuals. Now, some will debunk that and say, well, we understand that Jesus, he hung out with the sinners, but he surrounded himself with the saints. Understand that. Don't share your faith with them just because they're being around you. After all, what? Iron sharpens iron. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 tells us this. Do not be misled. Bad company does what? Corrupts good character. Don't hang out with people who are faithful in their walk with Jesus. Don't hang out with people who are faithful with their tithing and their offering to Jesus. They'll do stuff that will encourage you in the Lord. It might even annoy you. They might hold you accountable, God forbid. They might want to pray for you. Let's not do that. Don't be around people who will make you better and make you more like Christ. Get around the opposite. (laughs) It's really silent right now, by the way. Number three, you want to drift from God? Give in to temptation. Do it over and over and over and over and over again. Because why? Sin's so much fun. I think we would all say sin is fun. I mean, it's kind of like a sneeze. It feels good coming out until you what? You see the snot on your hands, right? It got too serious for a moment, you know? We had to throw out a joke in there. Some of you are going, I'm never coming back to this church again. Sin is fun. It's fun for a while. James 1, 14 through 15 says this. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Dragged away. Then after, then after desire was conceived, it gives birth to what? This is ugly. It gives birth to sin. When it is full grown, it gives birth to death. When you're tempted, don't fight it. Don't resist it. Just give in to it. Tell yourself, well, this is just the way it has to be. It's how God designed me. I can't get around it. I can't help it. It's not my fault. It's his. Just tell yourself God understands. He created you. Above all else, rationalize it. Justify your sin. After all, Hasn't our society done enough of that now? Here's a good one. Number four. Fake it. Isaiah 29 and 13. If you want to drift away from God, fake it. Isaiah 29 and 13 says this. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. This is powerful. But their hearts are far from me. Think about that. 
Their hearts are far from me. All right, I'm done with that. Because that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's bad advice. But listen to this. That is advice you give yourself every day. And you accept it. You accept it because you fake it sometimes when you come. You accept it sometimes because you find yourself surrounding yourself with the wrong people over and over again. You accept it because you give in to the temptation time and time again. And you justify it. It's okay. It's how I was created. I can't help the desire. I can't move away from it. I can't get away from it. Mm. You know, I hope that you see the effectiveness of what I just said. When we talk about what we do often in terms of incredible, it's incredibly obvious that many of us this morning in our life, we've been following that bad advice. You know, I highlighted this and I, and I want to bring this out. Some of you might say, well, I'm a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Christ. Some of you might say I'm a full-time student and a part-time follower of Christ. Some of you might say I'm a, full, I'm a, I'm a full-time business owner and a part-time follower of Christ. Be because when you look at your life, and I go back to that first question, I say, was there a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are now? You can honestly answer that and say yes. Yes, there was. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 says this. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I had uh, this week, this past, uh, I think it was Tuesday, I had to go to Salisbury. I had a dental appointment to go get a root canal. It's fun. It's fun. And uh, so, you know, I'm up there and I got to say this. It was the most painless thing I think I've ever gone to in the dentist. It was easy. It was smooth. It was trained, yeah, I guess so. I'm driving down the road afterwards. You know, my whole face is numb. Okay. You know, it's like puffed up. It's numb. And here I'm, I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm tapping myself. I'm scratching myself. I'm playing with it. It's just me in the vehicle. Look, some of you are laughing. You're enjoying that. Some of you are like, it's crazy. But you know you've done it. All right? You know you've been there. I get to T's corner at the stoplight. And at this point, I'm just like, whack. Just me. If somebody was watching me from another vehicle, they'd be like, this guy has lost his mind. They have lost his mind. So I'm sitting here. I'm smacking myself in the face. Right? And so I go, hmm, let's try this side. Wham. Hit I said, that didn't feel good. And so I thought, you know, my mind is rolling constantly, guys. It really is. And so I'm sitting there and I go, you know, if these MMA fighters or boxers would just inject Novocaine all through their face, man, they could last forever in the ring. 
that's what's going through my head. So I'm sitting here smacking myself here and I did it again like an idiot. And I was like, that one really hurt, you know? And, and then I stopped for a second and I said, you know what? I better stop doing that because I might hurt worse later. That, 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 that might leave a mark inside later. It's funny because as I was sitting there, something hit me spiritually. Many times we say we're numb to things in life. People hurt us. People say things about us. Rotten relationship. Bad advice given. People's hurt you. You're giving into the same temptation over and over and over again and you're just fed up with it. And you know what we say oftentimes? Well, I'm just numb to it now, so it doesn't really affect me. That is our defense mechanism. We are numb to it now. First of all, that numb is because you choose to be numb to it. Understand that. But just like me, if you continue to get hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered in that one area that's numb, sooner or later, that numbness, I don't care who you are, is going to wear off and there's going to be a permanent damage. I say that this morning to say this. Some of you have become so numb spiritually even. You've been hurt by a church. You've been hurt by a pastor. You've been hurt by individuals that you sit beside. You've been hurt by someone. You think you've been hurt by God and you say, you know, I am numb to it all now. I'm faking it every day. I just show up. But it's leaving a permanent mark in your life. And you don't even know it. Eventually, the numbness is going to be gone. And that hurt is going to be there, but only the hurt is going to be worse than it was when it first started. And eventually, you're going to look in the mirror. Maybe you're doing it now, or maybe you've done it in the past. Hopefully, you don't do it in the future. But you'll look in the mirror, and you'll not even recognize the person you see in your reflection. So that brings me back to my question. Was there a time when you were closer to God than you are now? I think we're all find, are found guilty of faking it. I think we're all found guilty of surrounding ourselves or hanging out with the wrong individuals. I think we're all guilty of giving into the temptation. That's, that speaks to all of us. I think we're all guilty of what? Neglecting God. I love what the scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says. You have forsaken the love you had at what? First. Consider how far you have fallen. And this is what's really cool. Repent and do the things you did at what? First, first, can you remember the time when you were so passionate that you couldn't wait to come into the house of God? When you knew that the doors were going to be open, it was a priority. Everything else that, that could fit into a schedule wasn't even considered because you knew you needed to be with like-minded believers. 
You remember the time that before you went to bed, the night before, you couldn't wake up the next morning. Why? Because it was time to get into the word of God. Not to accomplish something of a reading plan, but to be able to retain the scriptures in that word. You remember when it, you, you, you would be able to, I'm going to throw this out there, join a life group and you couldn't wait to join a life group to be with a, a fellowship of believers like you, to be discipled. See, life groups are important. They're new to us. This is our second round going through them, but they're important for your life. They're important for your spiritual growth. You need that camaraderie. You need that community of believers with you. So we get so excited at first. But then somewhere along the way, what happens? Life happens. Problems happen. Relationships form. Kids happen. Jobs happen. Schedules happen. And all of these become the priority. And then God takes a backseat to it, so to say. And it's no longer the priority. And when then we look in the mirror and we say, I don't even recognize who I see. Or we look at the problems that we're facing and we say, I become so numb to them because I choose to, because I've been hurt so many times. But Jesus is saying, look, you've forsaken it, but this is all you have to do. Repent and go back and do what you used to do. I love that. Repent and go back and do what you used to do. I remember when I was saved, February the 6th. 1997, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I've said this story before at Winterfest. I remember my, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I will never forget it as long as I live. And I remember what I did from that moment on. I remember when I would stand in worship and you can laugh, you can pretend, you can do whatever you want. I would stand there and I would envision Jesus before me on that cross. I remember there's times where I sit in here and I feel like I'm going through the motion and I have to say, God, take me back to when I envisioned you. I remember times when I could not wait to get into the word of God. And even as a pastor, believe it or not, the temptation is still there even for us not to dig into it, but we have to. And I sit there and I have to remember, I remember it was, a, it was this Bible, it was made for Winterfest. It was a paperback, I wish I still had it. It was a paperback Bible, it got tore up, beat up. I can envision it in my mind. And then when I do it, I, I envision mine and I get right into it. We have to get back to what we did at first. We have to get back to our first love. And that's Jesus. I think about my little boy Carter. Now he said, no problem, Dad, just put the rope on me. We'll be fine. I just about fell. Did you see that? That would have been comical. Put the rope on me. I'll be fine. I won't drift far from the boat. Some of you, you can't even see the boat. Some of you, you're paddling as strong as you can, and you're going against the current. Think about it for a second. Where are you? I'm, I'm landing this thing. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you at right now? Was there a point in your life where you were closer to God than you are right now? 
This is where it gets hard right here. Do you want it to be like it was again? Or are you content where you're at? See, we can recognize that we knew we were closer. We can recognize that we're farther away. But the hard part, the hard question becomes, do I want to go there? Do I want to put the work in? Do I want to do this? Stay with me this morning, please. I don't know what it means for you. I don't know what you did at first. I remember my first fast. I've told you about that. My mom's here. Every time I see her, I remember my first fast and the answer I got about my calling. I remember sitting in a pew and envisioning Jesus on the cross during my worship time to make it so more passionate and intimate for me. I remember looking at that paperback Bible and making sure I dug into it every single chance I got. Using my gifts that was there, that was given to me, I remember using and I still use today. But do you recognize maybe that you've drifted from God? I'm not saying that you drifted away from him in, in the sense of you no longer believe. Maybe you have. But I'm meaning in the sense of we were closer. You see, I believe that God has been setting us up and God's gonna continue to set people up because the messages that we're bringing forth are about God's love and the son Jesus Christ who died for us and loves us. Our purpose is to win the lost. That's all I really care about. I wanna see souls saved. We can deal with the other stuff. But I want to see souls saved. You know, some people say, you know, do you want to get people from other churches? No, I do not. If they come, that's fine. But I want the lost. I want the unsaved. That's the important thing. In this room, most of you are probably saved. And I'm happy about that. But you still, you've drifted. You have the relationship, you've made the commitment, but man, life is hard. And you're just not able to get through it sometimes. Sometimes you're maybe in the water and you're sinking. Maybe you don't have the life preserver on. You can't even get your head above, you feel like sometimes. You're gasping for air spiritually. What's amazing about this, it can all change just like that simple some of you you're going against the flow and it's a struggle and it's hard but you're trying kind of it's a hit and a miss type deal for you God is saying let's make this a routine let's not do a hit and a miss anymore let's make it a covenant let's make it a commitment to be in his word
to be in prayer. Let's make it a commitment not to neglect God anymore. Let's make it a commitment not to give in to the temptation. You're going to say, Pastor Kevin, that's, that's impossible. I give it, I understand, but you're going to try. You're going to put the effort. Let's make a commitment that I'm not surrounding myself constantly with the wrong individuals. And let's make a commitment when I'm not going to, I'm just not going to fake it anymore. If I come into the house of God, I'm not going to pretend like everybody sees that I'm just fine. I'm going to come into the house of God and say, God, I need you. Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to come to this altar and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to say, I'm not leaving until you have met me here. So my question to you this morning is this. Have you been closer to God in the past than you are now? And if so, do you want to get back there? I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to say this prayer, but I'm not done. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I know, God, that it's going out. It's pierced the souls, changing lives. It's been an encouragement. I know you're doing a work. Today, Lord, we've given bad advice, but now, God, we're given the good advice. For every heart, every mind, every soul that's represented here right now, allow your Holy Spirit to move and to deal with them so that, God, they will leave here changed and not the way they came in. Amen. So if that's you this morning, you want to say, Pastor Kevin, you know what? I have been closer to God in the past than I am now, and I want to change that. I'm asking you to step right out. Come up, meet me up here, because I've been there. You know what? I fight it daily just like you do. If you want to say, Pastor Kevin, you know what? I don't even know who Christ is. I've never made a commitment. I'm asking you to step out. You will come up here, and we will make that commitment together. I will be there with you. It's yours. This is your opportunity.